Hello, beautiful people. I'm Callie, and this is season two of Girl Uninspired, the podcast where we talk about channeling our beings, finding our niche, and what we do about inspiration. So you had asked me to what my horoscope was. So I'm I am a Taurus through and through, top to bottom, left to right. Yeah. Um, and in terms of the Chinese astrology, I'm the was born in the year of the fire horse. Uh huh. So fire horse plus Taurus. Is that how is. I would identify myself. Okay. Yeah. It just blows my mind that everything in your chart is Taurus. Yeah. <laughs> like, I didn't mm-hmm. think that was possible. Yeah. And so you casually said that in class one day, and I was like. Your whole chart, like I was, I mm-hmm. I asked you that several times, yeah. and you were just like, yeah, 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 and I was like, oh my gosh, uh-huh. this is crazy. It's crazy mm-hmm. <laughs> for all the things that means, and maybe that's another podcast. And honestly, you'll be yeah. able to hear it in the episode of like how, like, because you're very grounded uh-huh. and very like down to earth. So, oh, nice. Okay, yeah. awesome. Thanks. Hi, welcome to episode four. I'm here with Nicole Duet. Hi, um, my name is Nicole Duet. I am an associate professor at Louisiana Tech University School of Design, uh, where I teach drawing and painting, foundation level, grad level, the whole deal. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's good to be here with you today. Thank you. So, mm-hmm. um, so your, so you did just uh, describe your job. You said your job. Could you describe your job? Yeah. Um, I guess it's it's comprised of a couple of parts, really. The primary thing is just serving as as a teacher, studio teacher, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that means being able to advise students as far as literally the techniques that they want to learn. So whether that's drawing or painting or whether that's color and composition, whether that's how to find a concept mm-hmm. for a body of work or for a particular project and then how to kind of have a process of taking that concept into a resolved, finished piece mm-hmm. to the best of their ability at that moment in time in their education, right? So if you are a first quarter freshman coming to see me for the first time, then that's one, that's one sort of um, process. But if you are a senior BFA student that I'm working with, then there's a different level to that process, mm-hmm. right? But either the way, either way, it's all about mentoring students to be the best creators they can be in whatever their chosen medium is, and helping them to understand what the questions they what what are their main questions as artists in this life, mm-hmm. and how do they how do they use those questions as a basis to make work from. Mm-hmm. So, do you have a certain style when teaching? Like, is there a certain way that you would approach the studio session itself? Um, gosh, that's a really good question. I think some of that, yeah, just depends on on what level I'm teaching, mm-hmm. you know, so I feel like I come at it from two points of view. It's really important for me as a teacher to be able to describe, mm-hmm. you know, to put into words something that is essentially visual, which is really not an easy thing to do and something that I feel like I'm constantly practicing. Mm -hmm. So that's one angle that I would say is a part of my style. But the other part is that it's important for me to be able to physically demonstrate something visually. So I think my style is kind of a mix of those two things. I'm not somebody that's gonna stand there and just give you very, you know, general broad instructions about something without 
doing something to supplement that, either demonstrating it myself or really working hard to explain, you know, mm-hmm. explain and articulate and give you as much information that I can so that you have a clear sense, as clear a sense as possible of what it is that you're trying to do, right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes a, a little bit of unknowing is important, is important, you know? Um, that's the open-ended part that allows the student to, to take their own track with a certain assignment. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a difference between allowing for a little bit of mystery, allowing for a little bit of independent interpretation, and leaving a student in a state of complete confusion. Mm-hmm. Those are two different things, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I also think it's important to be conversational with your students too, you know, and I think that's part of my style. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like I learn as much from you guys. Um, every quarter with every class it's different so for mm-hmm. me the classroom is a community you know um, and I, I'm, I'm also not one of I'm not one of those teachers that holds that intentionally holds herself apart from the class mm-hmm. um, I try to think of myself when I'm thinking about how I interact in the classroom I think about what it's like to be a beginner again mm-hmm. what did I need at that level right and that I didn't get or what did I get that was particularly helpful at that level? So in some ways, another part, of, another component of my style is to put myself in your place and ask questions about what the classroom experience is like if I am imagining myself as you. So. That's neat. That's, mm-hmm. a, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, what is one of your favorite topics to cover? And I, there's such a broad range because yeah. it's art class, it's not like science or math, but do yeah. you have a favorite yeah, and it, you know, I do. And I would have to say it's color, honestly. Mm-hmm. And it's really frustrating because I'm not getting to teach it this quarter. But I feel like, I don't know, for me, like, the continuity between all the classes that I teach is that I, what I love is the, those moments of discovery that happen. Mm-hmm. Of, you know, when suddenly the student is obviously out of a place of not knowing anymore and into knowing at least something. Mm-hmm. that changes the way they see things. And there's something about color that does that at a deeper level than even drawing does, I think. I don't, I don't know if it's because color is more mysterious and complex mm-hmm. or we come to it with less of a conditioning about it. You know, say, for example, you come into your basic drawing class and you, and you, start, you, you start to think that if I can make this thing look like a cup then I have some success. And, mm-hmm. and that's a preconception, and it's not always true. But, but you come to the class with that. Yeah. I don't know that we can say the same thing about color. You, know? yeah. you may have an instinct about it. You may have some cultural things that you come to it with, but it's not the same. It's not the same as drawing. Mm-hmm. And I love that mystery about it. So. That's, I hadn't really thought about that approach before. Yeah, yeah. And you just see, you know, it's like, it, even within the early exercises, you see students suddenly discovering something about the way colors behave together, and then that mm-hmm. shifts their perception to another, a whole other level, so. So what would be, like, some of those, like, discoveries, like, like, figuring out how a certain tone of orange looks different, or hue of orange looks different from blue, or? Well, that's certainly one, but I think, you know, in the beginning, maybe it's that, you know, mm-hmm. like, you, there, there are some people that think that painting a color wheel is no longer important. I don't think it's important for the act of painting the color wheel itself, but I do think it's important because it begins to 
it begins to develop a visual memory. So mm-hmm. like when I say the word orange to you, the mm-hmm. orange that pops into your head is different than the one that may pop into the next student's head, right? Yeah. But if we can all come to a place of understanding orange within the context of the color wheel, then that's the begin that that would be the beginning of it, right? That's usually mm-hmm. the first step. But the things that the more subtle variations of that, you know, so one orange is different from another orange in increments mm-hmm. and there's an infinite range. Yeah. You know? And when you start to see that Seeing it is one thing that's exciting, right? Mm-hmm. But when you then start to consciously be able to make choices at that level of subtlety, mm-hmm. that's it, right? That's really yeah. it. When that's when suddenly your awareness of the range of possibilities is just exponentially larger mm-hmm. than it was when you walked in the door. You know? Yeah. So. Color has always been something that is so interesting to me. Like it's, mm-hmm. um, we introduced ourselves in one of my classes and we had to pick an, a word that went with our name that was also related to art. And so my word was color because, like, it's just, I don't know. To me, there's so much, like, feeling behind it. Yeah, right. I don't know. It's, it's really interesting. I've also done a couple paintings that, like, where there's no concept. It's just, like, looking at it and figuring out, like, where do they color and how like that changes? Yeah, absolutely. That that interaction of color, mm-hmm. and so I would say that's that's also something that's really that a lot of people don't necessarily start out being able to see, but that you know one color next to another can create movement. Mm-hmm. One color next to another can create the sense of luminosity or light. Yeah. One color next to another can create the feeling of air or depth, right? Mm-hmm. So understanding it at that abstract level, I'm just I love that. Endlessly fascinated with it. Yeah. Um, what is something that you hope that your students take away from your classes? And it doesn't have to be like mastery of the material. It can be like something else. Yeah, yeah. I think I don't expect mastery, actually. Mm-hmm. What, that's a, that's, a, that's a complex question to answer. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think, I don't expect mastery, but I do, I think it's more like this, a work ethic, courage to explore and experiment. Mm-hmm. Willingness to push past their own sense of their own limitations, you mm-hmm. know? I mean, I think that's really what it is that we teach, is, you know, the idea that making art doesn't come from, it, it isn't total random chance, and it isn't reliant on talent. Mm-hmm. It's about, it's, it's 10% insight, and the rest of it is really working, working the idea, working mm-hmm. the work to make it happen. And so I want, I want students to walk away feeling like they have more tools than when they came in to be able to do that, but also to, to have a, a greater sense of that personal responsibility and that per, personal work ethic mm-hmm. and the desire, right? The, yeah. The drive to do that, I think. And like... I don't know something I something I felt like when taking the figure drawing class with you was that like it was really frustrating to have like never accurately drawn a person before and then all of a sudden have to draw it like have to learn how to draw it yeah yeah and I don't know it it felt really encouraging to be in your class because I felt like like it's okay to like not get it Mm -hmm. right and like I I was 
having trouble, like, comparing my, like, stuff with, with other people's and, like, it wasn't good enough and whatnot. Mm-hmm. I actually talk about that with my roommate in one of these episodes. Okay. <laughs> but, uh-huh. um... Well, I think part of what you're talking about is, like, the accepting not knowing, Mm -hmm. which is a hard thing for any of us to do, you know, because it's, like, essentially vulnerable, Mm -hmm. you know, and you feel insecure, right? Mm -hmm. So you accept the fact that you don't know. You kind of embrace the fact that you don't know, which leads to a willingness to make a lot of bad drawings until, you know, in in, on the path to making good drawings or better Mm -hmm. drawings, right? That's really it. You know, and that's the hard thing for a lot of people to to risk, I think. Yeah. You know? So. Um, that was one of the things that I found out in my painting class was that there were some students that would take forever on one piece and it wouldn't look like they hoped. Whereas, like, one, another piece that they may have procrastinated and did, like, in a split second looked phenomenal. <laughs> no, it's the weirdest thing, it's... you know. Uh, what are what are what do you feel are some of your successes both inside the university and outside of the university? Oh wow, um, whew. you know I think I don't know that I ever really am. When I first started learning how to paint, I don't know that I could imagine being here as a university professor really. Mm-hmm. So just getting here, you know, I think I think is um, you know it's it's a goal that makes me feel like everything that I did before led to this point mm-hmm. and that equals something significant, you know, um, in addition to just loving teaching, you know? Yeah. So like I can remember teaching my first private student. And so if I put myself back in that position in grad school and imagine myself here, I'm like, wow, that, you know, that feels like mm-hmm. it's outside of school, but it's still related to school. I mean, I think I'm just, you yeah. know, teaching is one of the things that I love. Um, once I got here, you know, then then you really are a university professor, right? Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like accepting not knowing. You have to accept that and then take it from there. And so I think since being here, in addition to just kind of developing new classes, mm-hmm. that I feel is there's some important um, growth opportunities and successes that I've had. Um, one, I gave a, uh, I was invited to give a presentation on my painting. My, mm-hmm. res- my visual research, basically, to the College of Liberal Arts, which included other professors in history and English and mm-hmm. other disciplines, you know, foreign languages. And I was terrified because this is now, and an, you know, it's different than giving a presentation about your work to artists. It's it's your peers, but at a different level. And yeah. So, so getting through that and then receiving the College of Liberal Arts Award for faculty research for that presentation. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. It's like one of the standout accomplishments since I've been here for mm-hmm. me. Um, one of the things that makes me the happiest and, and excited. That's awesome. Um, yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Um, so have you had, um, like, one of the things that this podcast covers is, you know, I mentioned this before, is, like, I do minor editing because... I want um, I want it to be like real and also like I want it to become tangible and not something that I nitpick until it's like perfect yeah uh-huh. um, and like so that's one of my struggles when starting a project so do you ever have um, like something that holds you back from starting something new 
Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Probably the same thing as students do. You know, I mean, I yeah, I mean, it's usually. Oh gosh, um, I think dealing with an inner critical voice is really challenging for me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you set high expectations for yourself, and it's easy to, and there's a, that's a double-edged sword, right? So on the one end of it is the healthy pushing yourself to achieve better and better things as your work develops. More interesting work, more complex work, better technically, more Mm -hmm. compelling visually, um, those sorts of things. The other side of that is that there is a kind of perfectionism that can stop you in your tracks, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think I fall into that. It's this idea that the I, it's that the idea, the starting point, is never fully formed at the beginning, right? Mm-hmm. So if you don't give that a chance to be imperfect and to be awkward and to be confused, right, and maybe even a little bit bad at the beginning so that you paint through that to the better version of it. That's where I can get stuck. It's like doubting and second guessing and criticizing something before it even gets up on its legs. And it's usually a matter, it's usually often related to comparing my work to something that's already been done, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, Which is also the quickest way to work your way into creative block, I think. Yeah. yeah, so I think that those are pretty human struggles, though, you know, and probably mm-hmm. something that a lot of students have, too. So. Can you remember a significant, like, point of artist block and, you know, how you overcame that mm-hmm. and continued making? I'm actually going through one right now, actually. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think um, what I'm discovering is that the solution is always the same thing. It's always to make it anyway. Mm-hmm. It's to keep your hands moving, to keep your eyes looking, to try whatever comes to mind and don't judge it. Mm-hmm. And it's in doing that over and over and over again that you arrive at the next thing. So how do you do that when your inner critic is screaming about how bad everything is in your head? Mm-hmm. Well, you have to find ways to trick it, you know? One friend of mine says that she puts a sign above her studio door that says, no other voices but mine. Oh. So when you walk in the door, you literally, you imagine or envision leaving all the other voices outside. So you Mm -hmm. cross this threshold and suddenly everything is, it's a space of infinite possibility, right? Um, I try, sometimes I'll shift mediums. So like I'm working a lot in watercolor right now. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm working more in drawing because it's smaller, quicker, faster studies. Um, I've also just, so so what I'm saying is like throw a wrench in your practice, a deliberate problem. So in my, my previous practice was really Mm -hmm. photo-based and and set, you know, around themes that I'm, that I've been interested in for a long time. Mm -hmm. So I decided if I'm stuck, it means I'm not seeing anything new or fresh in that anymore. Mm-hmm. So I'm not looking at photos. I'm working more directly from observation now. Um, and that's at least keeping me moving. And my feeling now is I'll see where that goes, you mm-hmm. know, <laughs> you know, so. I really like that. Mm-hmm. Like 
multiple things that you said, but like changing mediums. Yeah. And like presenting yourself a deliberate problem. Right. Um, I don't know if I've ever experienced like like what I would call true artist block. Like I've definitely been stuck before. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I don't know. I find it interesting also to like when you have something that you've created to also change that into a different medium. Mm, mm-hmm. So, um, for instance, I took a picture for my photography class and wound up trans- transferring it into uh, paper art. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. And so I thought that was cool. Um, it was something that made me, like, think about what medium gets the point across better. Yes. Does that make sense? Sure. Yeah, totally. It absolutely mm-hmm. does. And it makes you see the original subject matter differently, potentially, too, mm-hmm. I think. And that's important um, to give you that fresh, fresh take, mm-hmm. fresh look on things. So My next question actually was about, like, what you would say your medium is. Oh, primarily oil painting. Mm-hmm. Always has been. It's not, it's, it's the, you know, when, from the moment I started doing it, I knew it was the thing that I wanted to be able to do. Mm-hmm. So I've never wondered if I was a sculptor or a video maker or any of that. Yeah. Um, and maybe that's something I should look at again. I don't know. But um, yeah, so working with oil painting. And I started out being really interested in traditional Renaissance painting techniques. Mm-hmm. And I, I still am, but that's morphed into a little bit more of an exploration of abstraction and figurative painting together. Right. And mm-hmm. that's that, how does that work? So. Yeah. Earlier you said... Um, that you allow yourself to feel awkward mm-hmm. with um, creating something. What does that mean, like, to you? I think for me, it's, it's, a, it's a way to deal with perfectionism, right? Mm-hmm. And a way to, um, to accept that an idea is in formation still. And so it's awkward in that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, another analogy that's useful to kind of help understand it is like if you imagine trying to teach a baby how to walk mm-hmm. if the baby gets up and then falls down gets up and then falls down gets up and falls down are you going to criticize it you know? <laughs> no right mm-hmm. I mean it's just part of the nature of learning something new or discovering something and so awkward means that I have to be willing to make a bad mark or a bad composition. It means I have to be, I have to both be someone watching this thing evolve, develop into something that I recognize and then understand how I want to shape mm-hmm. it while it's not always pretty, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um so you said that you didn't imagine yourself like being here. So like when mm-hmm. you were younger, what what was it that you wanted that you imagined yourself being? Gosh, I went through a lot of different things actually, and they've all been in the arts one way or another. Mm-hmm. I mean, my my undergraduate degree was in theater, so I thought I wanted to be an actor. Um, mm-hmm. I just went to the wrong coast to learn how to study because <laughs> I really wanted to be in plays, you know, especially like Shakespeare, classical American theater, uh-huh. theater of the 1950s. So did you go to California? I went to California instead. <laughs> <laughs> 
So that was my big mistake. But but actually, you know, like anything else, in, you know, and this is Shakespeare, you, by indirection, you find direction, right? Yeah. So I went to the left coast, and it's all about film and so much not what I'm interested in. Um, but that is where I learned how to paint. Mm-hmm. And that is where I developed a love for light and narrative storytelling and all of that still shows up in my painting mm-hmm. so I had no idea that's really cool yeah <laughs> so yeah and I think the lesson for me in that is and it's easy to look back mm-hmm. and say this to, to see it that way now but the lesson for me as a teacher is is to help students through those moments of unknowing too mm-hmm. and to keep that open-ended yeah enough so that that evolution can happen so, um, you didn't imagine yourself as a professor, but here you are. Um, what other things have, like, influenced your life and, like, have have gotten you here? Like, if you want to talk about mentors mm-hmm. or um, people that have helped you and whatnot, or mm-hmm. things like events. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, well, I think... It's funny that when I was studying, somebody somebody in the class with me casually mentioned that I should teach a workshop. Mm-hmm. And that was one of those moments where, until that moment, I hadn't really thought about it. Because I did have such a, a deep respect and honor and love for the teachers that I felt I actually gave me information you know so mm-hmm. when, when I was in I took some painting classes when I was in college in the beginning I was still trying to figure out is it acting or is it drawing or is it painting or is it singing what is it so I took a painting class and it was one of those classes where I walked in the door bought all these oil painting supplies and then the teacher showed up for like 15 minutes the first day and just cut us loose didn't tell us how to do anything with any of that mm-hmm. had a still life with a bunch of cow skulls put some classical music that I hated on the, on, the, on the radio and all these materials and just said, paint, paint what you feel, paint what you see. Mm-hmm. And I had no idea, right? So everything that I came across after that, where I wa- there was someone who had a clear sense about what it was that they were trying to teach, whether that was structural figure drawing mm-hmm. or whether that was how to work from observation or whether that was how to mix paint, how to use paint, how to see paint abstractly. Mm-hmm. Um, those were the teachers that were my mentors. So Glenn Bilpu from the Animation Union in Los Angeles. So I studied a lot with people who taught animators. Mm-hmm. Um, Carl Ganas, David LaFell, these are all like contemporary figurative artists who are also teachers, who taught me not only how to make things, but also how to teach. Mm-hmm. So I would study the way they taught as much as I would study the thing that they were trying to teach me how to do, if yeah. that makes sense. And so they were my mentors in two ways like that, uh, including my color theory professor, Marie Tubo, mm-hmm. uh, Cal State Long Beach, never taken color before in my life. And that radically changed my course and my life, mm-hmm. taking that class. And I was the worst student in it. <laughs> Absolutely the worst. <laughs> I That's encouraging. Yeah. <laughs> I find that, um, like... No matter what major a student goes into, that they should like take a take a class that's out like radically outside of that. Totally, yeah. Um, just to give them a new perspective on like what to take back to, like if they're an engineer, what to take back to the engineering and how they progress. Yeah, oh, I think that's huge, Callie. It is, mm-hmm. and I think that it's it's like even if it's not about 
making art for them, the experience mm-hmm. of making art and what that does in your brain mm-hmm. can't help but open up possibilities in their own field. Mm-hmm. I'm a firm believer of that. Yeah. yeah. I really, um, you know, it's kind of funny, like, I've, I've already said this before, but I started as, like, a pre-med major and yeah. went to English, and now I'm in uh, art, so I've kind of been all over the place, and yeah. I've kind of seen, like, how different things are, but... Um, yeah. That's a fascinating track. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. First it was, it was, uh, what, what should I do? What can I do? And what I want to do. There you go. So, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, that's perfect. Um, do you have anything that like you plan to do in the future? Or you want to do in the future? Mm-hmm. Uh, this could be like work related or, um, like inspiration wise or a hobby you want to do or, mm-hmm. A few, a lot. Mm -hmm. I think one, the first thing that comes to mind, and this is something that I've thought about for a long time now, is I would love to take a summer, pack my car with painting supplies and camping supplies, and just drive and paint. Mm -hmm. And I don't know whether that would be in the southwest or whether that would be in the south, um, where that would be. Someplace beautiful, maybe a mix of the two, urban and landscape, Mm -hmm. and just make make paintings every single day. Just drive as far as I want, stop set up, paint, get back in, drive again, you know. I love road trips in general, but that seems to be a way to merge two loves for mm-hmm. sure. So there's that. Um, ah, I want to go sailing. Mm-hmm. So as a hobby, I used to do that when I was in California. That may be the thing that I miss, one of the things I miss the most about mm-hmm. being there. Two things, hiking in the mountains and sailing on the water. I miss the water. So to be able to do that again as a hobby would be really great. Mm-hmm. Um as far as my studio work goes, I know I have visions in my head, and I think it's time now to to make the bigger, more complex narrative paintings that I start to see in my head, mm-hmm. and I know that they are they'll be more um, mythical, more magical, real than they have been, mm-hmm. um, more symbolic than they have been. So there's that as a goal for my studio work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you find that your location has an impact on your art? It's everything for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's part of the the, uh, the creative block that happens. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, when, when you move, when I move, I'm not just adjusting to new land, new settings, new environment, new people, but I'm also finding the things in that place that I respond to emotionally or aesthetically mm-hmm. or from like a sensory experiential point of view if mm-hmm. that makes sense you yeah know, like the sounds the sights the colors of the light the smells of the land you know mm-hmm. all of those things are things that I respond to um and I think painting for me for me is both a way to find my place in that mm-hmm. and it's also a way to come to an understanding of that the people and the places mm-hmm. so usually that's that's that is the subject subject of my work or the people and the places in the environments where I live mm-hmm. you know, so California has California work mm-hmm. Louisiana I'm still figuring it out <laughs> <laughs> it's been a lot of family stuff which is natural for me because I came back and my family I'm from here originally from New Orleans mm-hmm. so so that's where it went and then that's come to a, a reasonable conclusion and now I've got to see where it goes from there. So, yeah. Yeah. Is there a place in particular that you've preferred? New Orleans. I mean, 
is that what you mean like a, a location within the south mm-hmm. or, or or just in general like a place that you've enjoyed oh living or being yeah both I think I'm I think I have a little bit of the need or the tendency to attach to where I am mm-hmm. in the moment and so um, there are things that I love about California there are things that I love about New Orleans or things that I love about Ruston Mm-hmm. So I may be a little bit of a gypsy to have a favorite, you know. <laughs> so mm-hmm. there, I think I have favorite elements of each. I guess if that's an, if that's an okay way yeah. to answer that. I mean, yeah. that's a wonderful perspective because like that allows you to really like enjoy wherever you go. Yeah. Like even if it's you know somewhere that someone might find unbearable. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's a good way to put it. I've lived in the New Mexico desert for a while. Mm-hmm. In a town of like nine thousand people, so in the middle of nowhere, and that was one of the most transformative places that I've lived. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so do you have? Um, you said you're kind of in an artist block right now. Do you have a current project that you're working on? Well, like I feel like I'm at the cusp, right? Mm-hmm. And it's because of it's because of these small studies that I've been making. Um, that ironically enough, I've kind of come back around to the mm-hmm. new studio work. So yeah, and, and I think I just described it in, you know, we were talking a minute ago where it's like, it's, um, it's still about New Orleans. It's still about the experience of, in, in a way, like what does it feel like to come back to a place mm-hmm. that you, after having gone through all of these other experiences in life, you know, which makes me feel in part like a tourist in my own hometown. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't want to be the stereotypical tourist, right? You know, so yeah. so I think what's happening now is I'm looking for the magic in 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 the magic that New Orleans is. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and that's my starting point. So I definitely mm-hmm. relate to like feeling like an outsider. In your own town. Yeah. It's, it's really weird. Um, like, living there, growing up, and then, like, moving away to college, mm-hmm. and then going back on the weekends and whatnot. Yes. You can feel like you're being yanked. You know, yeah. <laughs> yanked from all sides. And, like, each one brings up a different part of your personality, you know? Mm-hmm. So, or it affects the role that you play while you're there, if that's one way to think about it. I yeah, think, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Um, do you have a next project or or a new skill or medium that you want to experiment with? I guess I think I'm still I'm really still fascinated with watercolor mm-hmm. and part of that is not I mean I don't know I, I think it is it's it's like that media is its own body of work within my studio practice mm-hmm. I don't know that it's connected to the oil painting I think it's really its own thing right now mm-hmm. and so I'm still at the point where it's new I've been painting in watercolor now for two years since I started the illustration class a couple Mm -hmm. years ago Um, and I do it almost on a daily basis and I think I'm still at the point where I'm just fascinated with how it works you know like Mm -hmm. one of the things that I try to talk about when I teach painting classes is that it's it's as important to pay attention to what's happening on your palette as it is to your intentions for the painting that you're making Mm -hmm. you know and so I feel like I'm I'm still at a moment where I look at the way watercolor dries you know, and the different states of color that it goes through mm-hmm. on its way to becoming dry, and I'm still like, wow, that's you know, it has shifted so much. Yeah, um, it's fascinating. So mm-hmm. I think that I love that about it too. I mean, that also, that's that awakens something 
in you, you know, to be fascinated with something at that level, which means that it's really not about mastering the work or making a work for a gallery at mm-hmm. all. Yeah. It's about this love for this material. And, mm-hmm. um, gosh, I think I went on a tangent for that <laughs> question, but no, it's um, okay. Okay. Yeah. So, so I think that's kind of where I am with that. Mm-hmm. Um, with the oil paint, the, but I do though feel like, and I don't understand this connection at all, that that interest, somehow it's push, it's triggering other things in me that are bringing me back to my work in the studio, in painting. Mm-hmm. Not a literal connection, not a straight line, you know, not a linear thing at all. It's weird. Yeah. So you said that you, um, you keep up with it every day. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people can find that hard to, like, keep up with something. It is. Just because of, like, busyness and whatnot. Right. How do you hold yourself accountable for that? Well, I'm not always successful at it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think lately what it's come down to is recognizing that it's important for me personally mm-hmm. to feel both authentic and sane. <laughs> you know, it's like it's both of those things. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of like people, some people have to run. Yeah. I kind of wish I was one of those people, I'm but I'm not. <laughs> I'm really not. But I think I am one of those people that has to put pen to paper every day mm-hmm. in order to not have, in order to be emotionally grounded and feel connected to who I am and feel authentic as both a teacher and a painter. Mm-hmm. Even if it doesn't result in something that is great, successful, marketable, sellable. I mm-hmm. cannot think it cannot it cannot be that. Yeah. Not as a not as a daily not as a motive for daily practice anyway for me mm-hmm. right now. So. Yeah. So one of the things that I'm trying to keep up with this year is keeping a daily journal because I want to have an yeah. entry for every single day, even if it's you know not eventful or whatnot. Right. Because um, I do pretty regularly keep up with journaling. I just. There are some points that I'm like, oh, that's not like worth talking about or whatnot, and right. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't know. I find that like, when you skip out on things that you don't think are important, you miss moments of maybe like self discovery, or like going back and rereading old journals. I'm like, oh, why didn't I write more? Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's fascinating, isn't it? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of editing that goes on day to day, you know, and and one version of that is to to not make space for work, you cut off a lot of discoveries that are possible, mm-hmm. I think. There's also uh, something that I think goes back to Julia Cameron's book, The Artist's Way. I don't know mm-hmm. if you know that one. It's been around for a long time. It's, it's a classic, and there's a lot of good that's in it. But it's about developing a creative practice. It's about finding the creative in you, whether you are someone who's wants to be officially a maker in the world or not. Everybody mm-hmm. has this potential in them. And so... She has this daily practice, 15 minutes every day, you set a timer, three pages of just stream of consciousness writing. And you just do it. Mm-hmm. And you just put the pen down and you start with whatever chatter is going on in your head, whatever complaint you have about what your brother did to you, or you know, yeah. whatever gripe you've got about how much gas costs today, whatever it is. You just start there and you let it all spill out. And once you get rid of that, it makes space for the quality stuff to come mm-hmm. in. It's also momentum, forward motion, you know, mm-hmm. which is essential for discovering the next thing, too, mm-hmm. for growth. So. I would love to try that. That would be so interesting. Because yeah. mm-hmm. it usually starts off, like, 
I don't know. I get to some entries and it's just like, I know what I want to say already. Mm-hmm. Right. But then there are some that I'm just like, okay, like, well, this is what happened today. And yep. And then I just kind of end it there. Mm-hmm. But it would be interesting to see, like, where it goes if I just keep going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it would. And I think just the practice of letting yourself do that. Mm-hmm. You know, like, it's like sometimes you have an, an idea that you want to work on in the studio. What if you had to wait? for the next idea to come along before mm-hmm. you started something. It's just not practical, right? We yeah. That's being completely at the mercy of inspiration, right? Mm-hmm. So that's no way to live, you know? Yeah. So this act of just, like, starting and seeing where it goes, is it's like it builds the muscle memory in you that carries mm-hmm. over into other parts of your life, too, I think. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. yeah. Um, do you have any advice for maybe a future... Um, artist or a student mm-hmm. or me or <laughs> just any like in general I would say a couple of things that the best thing that you can do is have an open mind and go for everything mm-hmm. you know um Get all the knowledge you can from all the sources you can. Mm -hmm. Don't decide too soon or fix anything too soon. Mm -hmm. Let that that evolve. But at the same time, don't be complacent and wait for it to come to you. You have to Mm -hmm. pursue it, right? Um, And I think the other thing that I would say is there's a lot of emphasis on having an original concept or an original idea that can Mm -hmm. happen too soon and the place where that comes there's too much pressure in that I think Mm -hmm. so in order to avoid that doing the things that we're talking about doing are super important you know I would say just pay attention to -hmm. your life and notice the things that you keep noticing and ask if that isn't a place to Mm -hmm. start with for your work right so the idea that concept is out in the world somewhere, it's out there somewhere. It's some big lofty thing. Mm-hmm. The good idea is out there somewhere. It's some big lofty thing. I think that's false. And I think that's potentially paralyzing. I think mm-hmm. you got to look within, you know. Yeah. So it's important for us to know ourselves mm-hmm. and do whatever it takes to, to know ourselves. <laughs> um, it's as important as it is studying, you mm-hmm. know, the means to do the things you want to do. So... so- Knowing yourself or like self discovery, how do you how do you go about figuring out who you are? Mm-hmm. And that is a huge question. Yeah, yeah. I I don't know. So <laughs> I will be honest. If I didn't have a great therapist really early on, uh-huh. who taught me how to do that very thing by asking brilliant questions, um, it would be very difficult because it it, mm-hmm. it necessarily implies that you have to be an objective viewer of who you are. Mm-hmm. And most of us can't get out of our heads, you know, mm-hmm. most of the time. Um, I just have therapy. <laughs> Honestly, I, I that's something that I, that's you know? something that in the first season, I like almost every episode, I was like, um, if you don't know this college campuses should provide yes. free counseling for all the students. Yes. And that is something that I say, it's like, 
go to go to therapy because it's important. It's yes. so important. So important. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're objective and they know all the pitfalls of the mind, or at least mm-hmm. they should. You know, which we don't know, and so a, yeah. lot, a lot of self, a lot of understanding oneself is understanding how the mind works. Mm-hmm. Um, self help books are not to be ignored either. Mm-hmm. You know, I think there's a lot of good out there. You know. Yeah. So. And sometimes mm-hmm. we get so like stuck by. It was just like, oh, it has to be this way or whatnot. You can't do it another way. Right. And they're just like, why not? Like, what? Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, I read this thing that said, um, I can't have a sandwich in the morning. Or, like, I can't have a sandwich because it like it's too much work to, like, put all the components together. And then yeah. their, their therapist is like, why don't you just eat the ham and cheese, like, separate? <laughs> like, you don't have to make a sandwich. Right. You can just have it. It's these preconceptions mm-hmm. and perceptions that are fixed, you know, yeah. that get in the way mm-hmm. of asking those questions. Do you have a website or social media platform? I do. It's my whole name. So my website is NicoleDuet.net. Mm-hmm. And then I have an Instagram, which is actually more current than my website is right now, mm-hmm. uh, at Nicole Duet. Can you spell that? Yeah, N-I-C-O-L-E-D-U-E-T. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, sure. Thank you so much for letting me talk to you and for being on my podcast. I really appreciate it. Oh, thanks, Kelly. It was my pleasure. I'm going to go back and listen to this and, like, take notes. And, like, (laughs) because I try to be, like, present in the actual interview and then, like, go back and listen to it. Yeah, no, it's great. It's great. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. My pleasure. Hey lovelies, you just listened to an episode of the Girl Uninspired podcast. Thank you so much for your time and for your support in my journey with this podcast. If you like it, you can follow us on Instagram at the Girl Uninspired podcast. There's an underscore in between every single word. Um, And if you have any comments, questions, or material, you're more than welcome to message us or email me at CallieKRobbins3 at gmail.com. That's C-A-L-L-I-E-R-O-B-B-I-N-S-3 at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening. It means the world to me. Bye.